Welcome to the Happy Customer Channel. On this week's episode, we sit down with AJ Goyle, founder of GMAS, and talk email marketing, AI, sales, and more. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative, Miami's premier digital marketing agency. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves. Video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com to learn more. My man. How's good it going? To, good to see you. You too. You're the first guy that ever introduced me to, or at least told me I should be doing email marketing. In 2011, you told me to buy Bitcoin, which I didn't do, and you did. Uh, you are my tech Yoda. Welcome to the show, AJ Goyle. Well, thank you. And not a lot of people can say this, that um, they met in Havana, Cuba, like you and I did, on that's a humanitarian true. mission. That's true. That's that's the foundation of our friendship. I forget about that sometimes. You know, you get to know someone really well, and where you met, the origin story kind of fades off into the background. Yeah, yeah. I think we met uh, like in a taxi or something like that Yeah. Uh, in, in Cuba. But yeah. uh, like I said, great to have you on the show, my man. Great to have you for a little fireside chat. Uh your origin story is crazy because I don't even think you've ever had a boss. You started all your businesses like in college or shortly thereafter. I've right? had some bosses. I had some <laughs> bosses back in the early days. I mean, I had jobs in college. I, you know, I, I actually don't like when people say that business owners don't have a boss because I basically feel like all of my clients are a boss. So sure. really, I have tens of thousands of bosses. Yeah. So where, where, did, where did you start this business? So you're an email marketing pioneer, right? Like when I look back at your resume, I mean, you're doing email marketing campaigns and you built a great business called Django Mail that I actually used to use. When did you start it? How, how did it all come about? Yeah, yeah. So, so Django Mail, I started that in 2002. Mm. And that was a really interesting time in the industry because that's, that's also when MailChimp started. Right. And MailChimp grew into a behemoth, was acquired by Intuit for $12 billion last year. But a lot, of the, a, lot, a lot of the big email marketing companies, uh, Constant Contact, yep. um, Eye Contact, uh, Vertical Response, which I don't think exists anymore. But there was this whole like crew of these original email marketing companies that all started in that era. And they all started the same way, which is they were a web development company making mm-hmm. websites for family, friends, right. and mom and pop shops and small businesses, and one of the clients would say to them, hey, we need the ability to send an email campaign from our website. And so they built that for them and then thought, hey, wait a second, this could be a standalone product. And that's exactly what I did with Django Mail and how Django Mail was And formed. when did you know you had something? So you start Django Mail, you, you yeah. have this web business, and then you start Django Mail. Right, so, like, so this I'm is a good ma- making business. websites, got Django Mail going. The website business was hard because it was contract to contract. It wasn't it wasn't recurring. And and back then this concept of MRR, which is a big term in the software industry yeah. now, didn't really exist. But the idea of wow, there's revenue that's just recurring because it's a, it's a subscription business, that's kind of cool. And even though the subscription amounts were low, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month compared to the web development contracts which could be 10 grand to 200 grand, it just felt like it just felt like there was something about to be born right and but I didn't want to let go of anything I wanted to I, I did both for a while but then just users started signing on to Django mail and 
eventually I just started fading the web development business away and Django Mail became the thing. And that's kind of right because you and I moved to Chicago, I think, right, I, I moved in 05. When, when, I moved in 05, yeah. Yeah, 05. Yeah. And, and we actually I, lived in the same building and never knew it, which is pretty funny, remember? remember One Superior? Yeah, we used to live oh, in the same building and then we figured yeah. it out years later, we had the same barber, the whole All thing. Right. We, we have a right. lot in common. Right. But, but uh, so 05, and I remember that period, a little bit shortly thereafter, 07, th there was kind of like a, a tech boom in Chicago because you had Groupon, you had Braintree. Yeah. And then for the yeah. first time, pretty much ever, was all this VC money that went into uh, Chicago. And I remember talking about business with people. It was all much like, how much did you raise? And what was this round? Instead of like, Wait, what about the business? But you've never taken outside capital. You've bootstrapped and, and, and self-funded all your businesses, correct? Yes, I've only ever run a bootstrap business. I've considered that route. And it seems like the companies that go that route tend to make the headlines and become yeah. more famous and perhaps even have the bigger exits. But the thing I don't like about that route is that as a CEO, you spend the bulk of your time pursuing that 100%. and managing that once you get it. Right. And I'm a software developer by background, yeah. and that's what I still enjoy doing. So it just wouldn't make sense for me to do that. It, it, it might propel growth, yeah. but it wouldn't propel happiness. Right. Yeah, because I, I, I always wondered with you, uh, you, you never went that route, but you always ran these, you sort of streamlined all your businesses. Like I, you and I famously joke is that uh, you hate salespeople. Yeah. I don't think you've ever had a salesperson, but you've generated, you know, lots of growth and 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 built really nice businesses um, and streamlining it. How, how how did you operate so lean for so many years? Yeah, well, right. I've never really built a sales team, and I've never really liked salespeople. <laughs> But what allowed me to think like that and operate like that is just inbound lead generation right. and the internet and search engines and pay-per-click marketing and Google ads and now LinkedIn ads and Facebook ads and Twitter ads and all the ways you can get people to your website to try to make a sale. And uh, uh, to take that one step further yeah. about how I don't like salespeople, <laughs> I really don't like working with people in general. So oh, I know this. So <laughs> you probably... You know, as as a CEO yourself, you probably get uh, cover letters from applicants to jobs who want to apply to your company, and and they might say, uh, uh, "Hey, Mr. Ariola, uh, you know, I'm a great fit, you're fit, for, fit for your company because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, I can work well both as an individual and as part of a team." Like, like how many times have you seen that line? Dozens. So that's not me. Like, I actually, I, I don't feel like I work well as part of a team. <laughs> no, you don't. I've, I've read your blog, but continue. <laughs> uh, and so I just. I've built the organization around empowering people to be able to do their roles without really having to work in a team. Uh, there's some collaboration that happens in conversations, uh, but for the most part, I run lean because each individual in the company has a lot of responsibility and it's stuff that they can do for the most part on their own. Django Mail Peak, how, how many employees did you have? A 12. <laughs> it's 12. crazy, right? Yeah, you had yeah. this great size top line you know revenue uh, business and uh and you're in it with 12 i think that the 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 new tech guys because the, the, the vc money starting to dry up a little bit it's start, they're starting to get religious about the burn rate and oh by the way i have to have a company with revenue and i got to control costs and oh i have to show a profit at the end of every month yeah right? so that's a shift that's been happening just in the last couple <laughs> of nuts. years um only because you know interest rates are higher yeah. now um Valuations uh, have gone down. I mean, yes. Everything. Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, for, for a good 20 years, profit didn't matter. And I, I suspect that we will, the, the pendulum will swing back the other way in time. So right now, a, a Django Mail or my current company, GMAS, yeah. that's a hot thing because it's organic and profitable. Yeah. Uh, but the growth rate isn't as strong as perhaps a VC-funded company might be. Uh, but we're, we're, the attractiveness has shifted towards companies like us for now. What, when you sold Jingle Mail, what what, what drove that? Because you ran that business for 17, 18 years. How many years? Uh, tw- uh, 12. 12, okay. Yeah. So 12 years, and then uh, you sold it. What what, what drove it? Yeah. Um, oh, man, a bunch of factors. Because you seemed pretty happy, right? You were working on the business, not in the business. No, that's it, not true. No, that's I was not like, true. I was like knee-deep in the weeds, in the code, fixing bugs, features, dealing with customers. I've never been really good at stepping out and working on that big picture. But to answer your question, I was a me- I was a mess of a person when uh-huh. I sold Django Mail. I-, I really wasn't happy. I mean I was I was probably you could say depressed. Uh-huh. And I just didn't have a lot of I, I just didn't feel confident as a person. Yeah. And I wanted to I-, I felt like I needed to unburden myself from this thing that was just this persistent it felt like a thorn in my side yeah. because there were always problems to deal with, always fires to put out. And I was sad and lonely and just working a lot. I just wasn't enjoying my life. And I wanted to free up my mind just to explore the world. And You, you, you and I have talked about uh, taking uh, retirement installments, meaning most people when they retire, let's say if you're lucky, late 60s, 70s years old. But by the time you're 70 years old, you're, you're pretty worn out, right? Uh, and taking breaks and where you can take six months off or a year off or you know maybe longer is kind of what you did, right? You, you, you took some time off. And then what drove you to start GMAS? And, and, and tell me about GMAS, because it, it's had a lot of growth as well. Yeah. Um, well, taking time off is kind of a funny thing in, in tech and in software in general. So yeah, when Django Mail got acquired, I worked for the new owner for a year or so and then experimented with some other ideas for another yeah. year before starting GMAS. But taking time off is dangerous because the software world moves so fast and you, languages you and lose platforms. lose a little bit of your fastball. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I started GMAS, it, it was a hurdle to climb over to be able to just write code again and develop something because the stuff had changed from the stuff I was using when I built Django Mail. Right. What was your question again? My, my question is is the, the theory of sort of taking time off, right? Yeah. Taking a nice brain, like yeah. Yeah. You know, brain rest yeah. and then getting back into it. Um, you know, what was your thought process in doing that? And how'd you get back? Oh, what, how did what, I get what, back? What drove you to start yeah. G, GMAS? Well, that was by accident. I never thought I'd be back in the email campaign sending business again. Uh, what happened is I had developed this other product, which I was hoping would be a big thing. Right. Which And that the idea of that product was I had a staff of people, editors, that would write and proofread your emails for you. That didn't really get the traction that I wanted. But around that time, I had this need for like sending a small email campaign for my Gmail account. I saw that there was nothing really good to do that. And a lot of the code for this proofreading product could be used to build a similar solution. So it's kind of odd how it happened. I was living in Hawaii at the time with my girlfriend because she was doing some yoga teacher training. (laughs) 
And I was living in this hotel for a month while my girlfriend completed her yoga training. And that's when the idea was born. And within a couple of weeks, I had a working prototype of what would become GMAS. So it was developed in Hawaii in this hotel room uh, just as an offshoot of this proofreading product. And I just remember when I thought of the idea, it just felt like it felt like I had to be the guy to do it because of my Django Mail background right. and because I understood everything about the internals of Gmail and some of the Google APIs yeah. from having built the proofreading product. I'm like, oh man, this is like this is an opportunity and I'm the perfect person to build it because no one else in the world right. has the combination of skills that I have like right now in this moment. And what 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 is GMAS? GMAS is a plugin for Gmail that lets you send email campaigns from your Gmail account. Got it. So since you're my tech Yoda, you always give me warnings to look around corners here or there. I have to ask, chat, all the AI chat products, where do you think it goes? What is your sort of early assessment of all of them? Well, it, it's exciting and it's, it, it is revolutionary and I think it's going to transform a lot of things. I feel like this is the equivalent of like Netscape 1.0 coming out. Okay. So first version of the web browser, like, wow, let's get a homepage set up. Right. ChatGPT is, is revolutionary, but very basic right now in, in what it does. And eventually, like, everything will probably incorporate some form of AI. Uh, yeah, the way you take notes, the way you listen to conference The way you get a massage, the way you play sports, <laughs> the um, way you, the way you train. Um, yeah, this is like the beginning of... A, a multi-decade revolution. Yeah. Um, give me two or three tech predictions over the next five years. Because <laughs> you, you, oh, you, you, you were right, well, right, wrong, but you were definitely on the Bitcoin thing yeah. when you told me in 2011 I should buy Bitcoin. Right. And I think it was like five bucks. Okay. Predictions uh, for the next email, five e years. Email campaigns right. were definitely ahead of okay. the curve. Um, okay. I predict that SMS usage is going to go down. Okay. Why? because there's too much spam being sent over SMS, and there are all these better text message communication options for your phone, um, like WhatsApp and Telegram and Discord yeah. um, that are just a better experience as well than, than text. Okay, I, I like that prediction. That's all a right. good one. Um, number two. Are you a big Discord user or no? No, I'm not. no, I'm not, I'm not either. I was just curious. I'm a big WhatsApp user, but you're even, a big but WhatsApp even guy. WhatsApp has its flaws and quirks. They yeah, all have their flaws. It's not perfect. Yeah. And then you're no on one has the perfect mobile you're, messaging experience. And I, yeah, that's 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 the and iMessage is the worst. Yeah, I'm not a fan of iMessage. <laughs> it's 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 kind of a disaster. And if they have a different uh, operating system, their Android phone, it's um, yeah. it's always a little okay. Uh, sloppy. Um, okay, so you referenced my buying Bitcoin way back when. I think Bitcoin is going to be on the rise again. Okay. Just because there has been nothing invented to make payments easier. So th there's no other system where you can pay someone instantly, right? Where the person receiving the payment doesn't have to pay a big fee. So that's or what, globally, a, credit, that's yeah, what right. a credit card is. Right. So I can pay you instantly, but you probably hate me for paying by credit card because you're out 6%. Yeah. And and credit card processors, they disguise their fees. Like even Stripe, who's like the biggest 
company in the credit card processing yeah. world will tell a software startup, oh, our fees are 2.9% or whatever. It's yeah. not 2 It's like 6%. There's all these, there's all this hidden stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I, th I think I think Bitcoin is due for a comeback. It's due for a comeback. And all the craziness that's going on right now in the banking sector, right? Yes, that, that, yes. that definitely has a play. Where it goes, I don't know, but I agree with you. It'll, it'll be choppy, right? Yeah. So, so buckle up because it'll have its highs and its lows. Yeah. Uh, but potentially there's there's some really good big and, opportunities. And I, I think it'll be an opportunity for what I just described, not because of one of the original selling points, which was anonymity, because right. you actually don't really have that much anonymity. Not at all. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the government has proven that. Right, right. <laughs> well, the, the government's probably going to have some kind of digital currency as well, right? Like, Yeah, I've, I've heard point. of some proposals being passed, but I, I I don't know the details of that. I just I just know that the the world is ready and ripe for just a better way to pay people. It, it absolutely is. Let's take a step back. GMAS, you have uh, what over two million clients, right? Customers, and and and, the, and my question is, is you know, I, I'm in a business that I have 30 customers, and they're all you know big brands or government yeah. agencies. You've got all these different consumers. How do you service them, right? So they have problems, they have questions. Yeah. They how do, how do I use the system? Yeah. How do you service that many customers? Well, our aim is to not have to service our customers. Our aim is for our users to be able to use the platform on a self-service basis without ever having to talk to us. Um, it's our less technical users that end up having to talk to us because they just need help getting their campaign out or personalizing it or tracking it or what have you. So. We do that by writing a ton of documentation, making right. a ton of YouTube videos, and just giving them the resources they need to support themselves. You know, we don't want to be, uh, it's not my goal to run the world's best technical support operation. Um, uh, you know, there are some companies like that. There are software companies, there are uh, 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 data providers and server hosting companies where they're part of their brand is to have the best customer right, service. Right, right, right. That's not our that's brand. Not, that's not your brand. Not, right. Our brand is to, to, to make sending emails as easy as possible, to give you great technology to do it, to give you all the features and integrations you need, but but we're not the hand-holding type. So we all know that you hate salespeople. <laughs> How do you acquire clients? Uh, it's all through uh, in, inbound marketing. Yeah, inbound marketing, yeah, your yeah. old-school email campaigns yes, that, yes. that drive uh, And And actually, sales. we have a, a pretty healthy affiliate program Look as well. Look at you. You're all grown yeah, up. I'm, yes, I'm very yes. happy to hear uh, that. And I, that's something I did not do with Django Mail, but, but we have an affiliate program, so our users drive other users and get a cut. Uh, so there's a bunch of channels that, that bring us traffic. But it, it's been fun because there's stuff that I'm doing now that didn't exist back in the Django Mail days, like like YouTube marketing. Yeah, right. Um, or uh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> or podcasts. Or YouTube shorts. All these, all these, all these interesting things. So, yeah. Um, all right. Talk to me about spam. I get a ton of spam. How, 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 do, how, how do I know that your 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 GMAS isn't like just sort of a, a spam machine? How, how do how do you police that? Walk me through it. Yeah. Well, the definition of spam has kind of evolved over the years. Yeah. In the beginning, when email marketing first blew up and everybody started sending email campaigns. Spam was defined as any sort of unsolicited bulk email. Now, a lot of hardcore anti-spammers will still use that definition, but a lot of the people in my community have relaxed that definition because there's this whole world of emailing called cold email, which is businesses who put together like a lead list of people that they think would be interested in their service, right. and they send a somewhat personalized email in a low-volume fashion. So 
hardcore spammers were used to sending hundreds of thousands or millions of emails at a time. Now people will send a couple hundred emails at a time hoping to score a meeting mm -hmm. with a potential client. That's what cold email right. refers to. Now technically, if you take that classic definition of spam, cold email is still spam because it's unsolicited bulk email, but it's just become accepted. Um, so like even Google allows cold email through to the inbox. Uh, and Google is, you know, controls half the world's email flow. Microsoft controls the other half. So, you know, back in the day, the U.S. Congress passed the Can Spam Act, and other, you know, Europe passed GDPR. There's yeah. all this stuff, but there's still plenty of spam going around, and it's still. And how does, it, how does it protect you from reputation, domain, and, and and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, there is a danger because. If you end up sending email that a lot of people don't want, they complain about you, your re your reputation as an organization, but the domain that is tied to your email campaign yeah. goes down, and that's when your emails start to not go to the inbox. Yeah. So you just have to be careful. And I mean, there's a bunch of deliverability best practices. There's DNS records and email authentication protocols to set up and take advantage of. But basically, if you send email that doesn't anger people enough where they click report spam, you'll right. probably be okay. All right, so let's talk about lead gen. Since you don't have salespeople, yeah. how much of your leads come in through paid and how much uh, versus organic? Yeah, probably 10% of our customers come in through paid okay. and 90% is organic. If Which, I'm starting a business, wh wh where do I start? Like I, I have no idea, what do I do as far as SEO, lead generation, paid, organic, that kind of stuff? Just sort of rules of thumb. If I were starting a business now, yeah. I probably wouldn't focus on any of that now. Okay. Some people are predicting that SEO is on its way out. Okay. Um, just because so many people, I mean, what SEO agencies do is they're basically trying to game Google mm -hmm. into ranking sites higher that probably shouldn't be ranking higher. Right. Uh, by writing content and paid links and all this stuff. I and mean, Google's been cracking down on that stuff. So some people say that SEO is out. I mean, what I would do is I would take the approach that that Slack took. I don't know if you know much about yeah, Slack's origin story, but 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 what they did is they reached out to individual companies that didn't have a good internal team communication system yeah. and said, "Hey, use this thing we got that we built." And uh, uh, I remember the founder talking about like once they started doing that, like once they got their first customer, they had like a million bucks in revenue right away from that one customer. So. Like this world that I've been in, I probably would not start a business in the same way again. Um, I just, it, it, it's nice because it, it's, uh, you can build a, a machine to right. kind of generate leads automatically, no salespeople, but there, there's disadvantages too. There's high churn. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of credit card fraud and chargebacks. Um, you know, it's not all. And, and Google uh, can just always mess with the system, and you've got to start from scratch. I mean, it's, it's simple, similar. To, uh, Apple changed rules on the App Store. Yes. It screwed yes. Facebook. All those direct to consumer brands got slammed. Yes. Um, GMAS, yeah, is, GMAS is very dependent on Google right now. Right. Because the product is a browser extension, which only works in Chrome. Chrome is the Google browser. Yeah. The extension is for Gmail which is Google's email product. Uh, and we exclusively use Google's APIs to connect into the back end of Gmail. So we are fully dependent on Google. And Google could shut us down. They right. could 
in, in one of many ways. They could say, we don't like your extension anymore, and they could take it off the Chrome Web Store, which is the equivalent of like the App Store on an iPhone, yeah. but for the Chrome browser. Right. Uh, they could say, we don't like the emails you're sending, so we're going to cut off your API access. I mean, there's just, they, they could shut us down like that. And the Chrome Store, what's that world like? I mean, how many plugins are there? I mean, there's yeah. thousands. It's there's, like yeah, ten, there's hundreds of, I don't, there's tens of thousands of Chrome extensions. I don't know if it's more than 100,000. But it's, it's similar to the App Store. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's changed a lot. Uh, when I started GMAS, the Chrome Store was the wild, wild west. Right. Any developer could write a Chrome extension and publish it right away. No approval, nobody watching your back or anything. Uh, and I think the App Store with the iPhone, at least, there's always been a review process. Like, as an app developer, you can't just publish an app instantly. Chrome Store used to be that way, uh, but then they changed things because people were running scams and writing extensions that redirected people to yeah. malware and all sorts of junk. Uh, so now it's it's just it's just all regulated now. It's just it's just not as it's just not as easy to do anything anymore. Okay, so the AI you, you see this sort of battle between Microsoft and Google. Who wins? It's another prediction I want you to make. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. So I've I've integrated parts of our product with ChatGPT, which is the OpenAI yeah. product, and OpenAI now has this partnership with Microsoft, but and and I think Google has this thing called Bard. Bard, yeah. I haven't I haven't used it. I I, okay. I don't really know. Uh, it, actually, if I had to guess, it, it, my prediction will be that some company that you haven't heard of yet will end up dominating the. Like AI in wrestling, space. from the top rope, you, they jump in and, <laughs> yeah, right, and, they, and right, they nailed everybody. Right, right. got it. Right. Uh, my man. Uh, before I let you go, I can't let you leave without doing some rapid fire questions. Oh, you ready? okay, all right. Everyone knows you're a big tennis fan. Nadal, Federer, or Djokovic? As what? The goat? As the goat. Which one? Neither. I'm going with Sampras. Wow. Okay, you're a Sampras guy. You know, I just I don't like that when people assign the term goat to someone. It's always someone current. Like, how can you even compare generations of players to say that only the current generation of players has the best ever? You have to You have to compare the players when they played, like their generation. Like, there's nothing Bill Russell or Michael Jordan could do against the competition they had at their time, right? Right. But the term is GOAT, which is greatest of all time, which yeah. I think is just a misleading way to characterize it's, people. It's to way overused. I mean, how many how many uh, majors does, uh, Grand Slams and majors does Sampras have? Like, 20-something? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I, even know. Don't, but yeah, but you're yeah, right. You're right, right. right. He dominated for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and the term GOAT is too loosely. And it's 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 also just difficult to compare generations because equipment and exercise science changes over 100%. time. 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's, it's tough. But out of the those three saw. The best that you saw. I like Federer because he's the nicest guy. The and, nicest guy? This is why you're picking him? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> he won a lot of tournaments. He won a lot of tournaments. But he's, he's a gentleman. And and a lot of people would argue that that Djokovic is the is the opposite. He's he's not quite a gentleman. Uh, in fact, he did this really obnoxious thing at. Um, and he dances after he wins. And yeah, he, no, he, uh, at the last major, I can't. What, what what month is it right now? It's uh, it's uh, well, Indian Wells just happened. And you have the Miami Open. No, whatever major tournament just happened. Uh, Australia. He, he uh, Australia. Sorry, the yeah, Australian yeah, Open yeah, just yeah. happened. 
at the finals, he wore a jacket that had the number of Grand Slam wins that he had on it. Um, and it was just... He's a great, he's a great villain, great heel. Yeah, yeah. For, for uh, Nad- and Nad- Nadal's a nice guy as well. Nad- Nadal's a nice he's a, guy. He's a class Okay, so a nice guy that wins you over. That, it doesn't take uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I do not support champions who are jerks. Okay, all right. I, yeah. I, 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 I get you. All right, uh, favorite book? I don't read a whole lot. Things. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I read a lot. I don't read books cover okay, to cover. Okay. I read a lot of short form content. Blogs. We know you're a big blogger. Blogs, yeah. Uh, 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 Favorite book uh, of all time? No, 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 no. Life of Pi. Okay, Life of Pi. Look at you. Simple man. Um, <laughs> That's not a me, simple book. No, I know. <laughs> what do you want? You're all about happiness. Um, a Something, a silly thing that you have spent a crazy amount of money on. Like that would surprise someone. Like you spent a lot of money on what? T-shirts. T-shirts. Yeah. So back when I was living in Chicago yeah. and I was single, I'd go shopping on Michigan Avenue. Yeah. And when I started making decent money, yeah. I'd walk into like Gucci or Ferragamo and I'd feel special because of, of the brand <laughs> yeah. and it's from this high-end store. But in the end, it was just like a white T-shirt that I paid $800 for. Right, right. And I did a lot of that. You did a lot of that. Yeah. You know what? Not and then, about... and then to make to 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 uh, uh, what's the phrase? What's the um, to uh, make matters worse? Or yeah, make from... matters worse. That's, that's not the right. Anyway, edit that out. Um, uh, uh, I would think I was hot shit, and you know, we, we I probably had this experience with you yeah. where we went out to a a hot nightclub in Chicago, like. Like uh, Studio Paris or, or the Underground. Sure. I don't know if those are the hot clubs anymore. But we'd go, and I'd get rejected by the doorman for not having proper attire, and I'd be like, "I paid eight hundred dollars for this shirt, man!" But it was still just a plain white T-shirt, and it wasn't good enough. You know what's funny? I've hung out with you a lot uh, for over tw- close to twenty years. I don't think I've ever not seen you in a T-shirt. Like, I've always, like you're wearing a T-shirt today. Of course, you're wearing a T-shirt. Um, the thing you miss most about Chicago? The food. Uh, so where I live right now, just there aren't a lot of great restaurants. Yeah. Chicago had a lot of great restaurants. It, it, it is a great, sushi, yeah. deep dish pizza. I always say it's Asian whatever you food. want, top notch. Yeah. But there's a lot of them. So you like Italian? Yeah. There's 20 great Italian. Yeah. You like yeah. Uh, sushi steakhouse? There's yeah. 20 great. Yeah, I, I agree. And 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 the service at the restaurants. Yeah. It's one of the things I miss too. Um, one last question: What is your Mount Rushmore of business CEOs? So you get to pick four, put them on the mount on the mountain. Uh, who who are those four? I don't really have like heroes or people that I look up to a lot. I mean, for a lot of my evolution through software, it's cliche, but I've looked up to Bill Gates. I, I, okay, I, I, you know, I, I think what he he did was was brilliant. I think he's a, he's a pretty smart guy, despite the taint on his reputation <laughs> as of late. Um, all right, so that's one. Um, I'm not a fan of Richard Branson. Feel like people who go to Necker Island are probably <laughs> something's like, up. Lacking What's, what, something. what are you doing at Necker Island? <laughs> What's going on there? Um, That's a weird place. You know, I was a fan of Elon Musk, but recently I think he's just kind of a kook. Okay. Um, You're always a Warren Buffett fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, I have we been had a that conversation fan. many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll go Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. But these are so cliche. These are like well, the most but they're the best of the best. The it's like it's the go back to the goat. Who are the goat in, in basketball? You, you might pick, but you're gonna probably say Jordan, LeBron, you know, yeah. Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain in in that order, right? And not in that order, but yeah. those are the same seven, eight names. You're probably gonna, yeah. you know, mess around with. Yeah. 
AJ Goyle won. I'm going to say my dad. Okay, your dad, why? This story has not been documented, Uh but my dad and the company he worked for at the time built what was probably the world's first word processor prior to Microsoft Word 1.0, prior to Word Star, which was this old Apple IIe word processor. Uh, My dad and his company built a word processor called Mass 11 in the early 80s. Wow. Because you told me your dad's story. He's the one that got you into programming, right? Yeah. 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 And And my older brother. And your older brother worked by Microsoft. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Uh, My friend, great to have you on the show. How can people find out about GMAS or or any of your Uh, Go to our website, gmas.co, or hit me up on Twitter. I am part-time snob on Twitter. Yes, you're, 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 very, you're very active on social media. And they go to GMAS, and it's pretty easy to download. Yeah, one of yeah. Your YouTube. it's like are a 10-second install. Are you install. on the YouTube instructional video? I am on some of them, yes, yes. Okay, I, will, uh, I, will, I did the I will, originals I will be putting comments myself. after the show sure, on some of those. Sure. Now I have uh, a really great content producer who does them for me. And what about your blog? Where can we read about you? Well, the GMAS blog is gmas.co slash blog. Okay. All right. We'll check that out. My friend, uh, great to see you. It's been way too long. Let's do it again. And thanks for coming on the show. Sounds good, Dan. All right, brother.